Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Sponsored by Max Muscle Sports Nutrition. Introducing your host, Sacramento King's Insider, James Hamm. Welcome back to the CSN King's Insider Podcast. Brought to you by Max Muscle. I am James Hamm. Joining me in the talkback portion, Mr. Aaron Bruski of hoop-ball.com. AB, we had the car cast in the first half, me and DC in the car. Second half, we're going to have to talk a little Malachi. What's going on, man? I can't hear that name without hearing Deuce Mason's Malachi Kai Kai. And and I want them to play that. <laughs> when he makes a three, unfortunately it might not be this year, but when he makes a three-point shot, I want to hear that drop. Malachi Kai Kai. Drop. So make it happen, Kings fans. That that stuff's hilarious. Yeah. All right. So we are. Uh, let's just break the news because it, it's happening as we're recording. This will go up uh, later on on Thursday. Uh, but Malachi Richardson has torn the uh, what was it? it was a thick, a thick a thickness tear. <laughs> I've never even heard of a thickness tear. A thickness tear of the right hamstring. Uh, and he's out four to six weeks. I'm going to be honest with you. That's it. He's done for the season. Um, most likely he will not play again this season for the Sacramento Kings and people will go, Oh no, he's going to play. It's only four. No, no. Uh, the Sacramento Kings have 25 games left in this here NBA season. Malachi Richardson has done some nice things, but Dave Yeager has been very reluctant to give him any more than seven minutes in the first half. And if things are going really well in the second half, he might get that second seven minutes. But for the most part, he has played very limited minutes. Uh, and with Ben McLemore coming on, with Garrett Temple and Ty Lawson on their way back from injury, there was a good chance Malachi Richardson was not going to play very much down the stretch anyways. Now we pretty much have that confirmed because he's done. That's a brutal... Man, this is the... Second major hamstring injury plus an adductor injury plus a calf injury plus an Achilles injury in the last not even not even month, Aaron. It's brutal. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, who knows how much he was actually going to play, but uh, it's it's a tough one. He was just getting in there and started to do good stuff. And, um, you know, I'm not I'm not probably going to, you know, use this to to say that the uh, that the kings are you know not healthy enough to win games because you know they're currently in a four game winning streak um and he well, wasn't they were really playing a four game win streak uh, pardon me were um, <laughs> yeah i forgot about that game last night where they they, they actually competed it was for it was the, it was funny because the first warriors game was Really, really um, weird. It was like the weirdest basketball game that I've ever seen. And then the first half of that game was completely normal. And um, then the Warriors just smoked them. It was like a really good game. And then it just ended in about a minute. Um, but that's the Warriors for you. Um, so I, I think this is, you know, it's a bummer. You, you wanted to see him develop more than anything. 
Um, but but you know, you're right. That's the end of a season. The Kings are gonna have to get some players back, and I think they will. You know, the All Star break is a good time to bring players back, and um, you know, we'll we'll see how they go. Yeah, it's really unfortunate they missed out on the ability to get a roster exemption by I think it's a week uh, for the Rudy Gay injury because they knew he was done for the year. But they're going to have to play shorthanded the rest of the season. I mean, they're going to have 13 guys, and that's barring any other setbacks. Omri Caspi has been at practice trying to shake loose. His injury is really unique, and it's not something that happens very often in the NBA, which is totally bizarre. But he actually damaged the tendon that's underneath his calf muscle. And then on top of that, he has a calf strain. And he's been trying to get through that, and their initial diagnosis of a week to two has really kind of put him like out there because he kind of looks bad. Like he he has he hasn't had the ability to heal up, and that's not really the case. There's no way to get to the tendon, and so there is like no deep tissue massage or anything else. It's hiding literally underneath the calf muscle, and he's just had to to sort of grin and bear it with with what's going on here he could really help this team at this point and you know what he might get a, a chance to help this team because if you only got 13 guys and two of those guys are scal libisier and uh yorgas Papianis, then i mean he's probably gonna have to play minutes here in the rotation yeah and um you know we're gonna have to see you know, if he can, you know, get on track and 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 be a a piece of this team going forward, um, you know, I, I would like to think that he could. And uh, you know, we got the trade deadline looming, so you know, my thoughts are the Kings are going to make some moves here. Um, probably nothing big is is the kind of the word around the water cooler, and I don't know if you're hearing anything differently, but um, it could very well be the case that this is the same team pre-break as it is post-break for the most part. And yeah, you're going to need him to make contributions. What does nothing big mean, though? Because if you've got really 11 players that are playing, it seems to me that almost any move would be substantial in that it changed the way that you coached a game, game in and game out. I mean, if you take Ben McLemore away from this roster right now, which is probably the easiest player to play, both, uh, to, to trade both short-term and long-term, um, then what does that mean? So, I mean, I get that. I, I've i heard that the Kings have been involved in much larger deals, but as like a third, fourth team where they've got expiring contracts that are that are attractive to teams and teams have veterans that the team that's giving up a big star doesn't want in return. So the Kings might jump in on one of these deals to sort of facilitate and to improve their roster at the same time but like again I, I get back to the question here what's not a very big deal when you have not very many players well that's a that's a really interesting point you make and so looking at this roster there are actually quite a few tradable players and I don't think I'm breaking any news by saying that but you know and even and if and if you look at some of them you you, you kind of harken back to Billy Bean in Moneyball you might trade a player that you know would be good to trade uh, like a Costa Kufus and get some of the lineup combinations that, you know, I think a lot of folks want to see out there on the floor. Um, but, you know, that set aside for a second. These guys are veterans. They're on reasonable deals. Uh, the only issue here for the Kings, because you do need them, is if they get their market value per se. You know, if, it, if a, whoever we're talking about is going to bring back 
and they're all going to bring back something in this range of a late first, early second, if we're talking a pick. And then, like you said, some veterans that might, um, you know, be discards in a deal, slight improvements for the Kings. But either way, the Kings have to look at it like this. Is this going to, you know, this return, whatever it is, if it's like a late or early second round pick, those don't hit. I mean, they do, but only like really good organizations that, you know, kind of like have a track record, pardon me, track record of success like the Spurs and, and really good organizations have a track record of hitting even, say, a quarter of those picks. So it's not, you know, the value's not there. And if you're going to move somebody like a Costa Kufus or a Matt Barnes or <clears throat> a Ben McLemore, you're going to now have a gaping hole in your rotation. And yes, they're still in the hunt for the eight seed. And, and yes, they should continue to learn how to win games because they're, they're nowhere near that yet. And this is a really important third of the season for the Kings because currently <clears throat> they're not playing good basketball. That win streak, they played worse that week than they did the week before. They just won. I and... don't know that they're not playing good ba- I mean, they're not playing Warriors basketball, but at the same time, I think that just their grit and grind personality and the talent level that they have outside of DeMarcus Cousins, this is kind of what how you have to win. You have to win ugly every night and you got to win you got to learn how to win ugly i think they learned how to compete now they're learning how to win ugly i mean i man they beat the Cavs, the warriors the hawks the celtics the pelicans the lakers i mean two of those teams are not not like the others but four of those teams are really good basketball teams and they they gritted it out let's talk about that because i think there's two different things going on with this team where they, they deserve some praise and, and all the way up to Dave Yeager, they deserve some praise. They are never, ever giving up. You know, they, yeah, they, they, don't they give stay up. in these games, they fight. Um, you know, the, the big domino is, is, is DeMarcus Cousins, obviously there. And, you know, we could talk about that in a vacuum, but this team just doesn't give in. And to that, you know, after watching years and years of Kings basketball, they, they've constantly gave in. And so that alone is worth recognition. But this is the thing. And we talk about this all the time. And I hear Doug (laughs) drop it in. I hear Jerry drop it in. I hear Grant drop it in. And I'm sure you're dropping it in where you can too. But we we all kind of talk about getting the ball into DeMarcus down low and and developing that post game. And in these games, the 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 way that they run their stuff, the way that they run their offense, and the and the way that DeMarcus has really no focus offensively with what he's doing. He is not taking the great, you know, strategic advantage that he has in using it. He's all over the place with high turnover numbers, you know, driving into situations that really like they're, they're just like mind boggling in the sense that why did we even think this was remotely a good idea? That's the stuff that I look at. And I say, you got a third of the season left. If you want him doing that next year, the year after that, the year after that, the year after that, then you got to re- almost really reevaluate the contract and the decision to keep him because that's not going to win. Like long term, he's not going to be able to do that stuff and develop any good offense around it. So when I see that stuff and, and, and the way that it's deployed, yes, they're fighting. Yes, they're staying in, in these games. Yes, they're winning. Uh, and they did improve in that first half against the Warriors. I thought that they played a really clean offense 
you know, that half, which also, by the way, did feature some of the stuff with DeMarcus Cousins from the perimeter. But it's not sustainable. And so that's the challenge for this team. And, you know, as far as a trade deadline goes, you know, that's its own ball of wax. But um, it, it, it does not behoove them to just keep kind of hammering away at that at that position is is, is saying, okay, we're going to continue to let DeMarcus do this because it just, it's not looking good. It it, it doesn't work. Yeah. You know what? I like DeMarcus in the post. I like him off the dribble at the top of the key, although he makes mistakes. I like him behind the arc. I kind of like him all over the place. And I know that seems really strange. And, you know, I brought this point up on the telecast when you look at the Kings and the way that they've handled DeMarcus and Paul Westfall, Keith Smart, uh, Michael Malone, Tyrone Corbin, George Carl, and now Dave Yeager, you got six guys and all of them are completely different coaches. There's not one of those guys that I would put, maybe you could say Michael Malone and Dave Yeager have some similar tendencies as far as the defensive side. But when I look at his first year in the league with Paul Westfall, that was just a nightmare. But at the same time, I think what what Westfall was able to do was to show the organization that there was a lot more to Cousins than what they saw at Kentucky. You know, when he was just chained to the basket, he he showed some flashes as as a passer, uh, as a perimeter shooter. I think the Keith Smart era you saw that you know maybe he could find his way as an NBA player uh, because early on he had so many issues. And, and then when you get to Malone, Malone, such an offensive juggernaut, I mean a defensive juggernaut, that I think he really trained DeMarcus on how to be a post defender, how to be a help defender. And I think that's, that's huge for him. George Carl era, I think it showed the world that DeMarcus could shoot the three ball. And, and again, he could, he could do a lot of different things that you didn't even know. And now what we're seeing here with, with Dave Yeager is sort of the, he, he now has Michael Malone's defensive thought process. He now can shoot the three pointer even more effectively than he could under George Carl. And now he's got the high post where you're seeing all of these different avenues of DeMarcus develop. And while I think that Kings have done uh, him a massive disservice by being in, you know, the instability and really damaging him as far as what he can be um, as a leader and things like that. I think he it's not too late. He's only 26 years old. He can still grow into these things. But by having all this instability, they hurt him. But at the same time, this same instability, I think, actually helped him develop some key things on the floor that he probably would not have developed if he was just put into a system and told to do one thing and had stability and, you know, so I'm intrigued by DeMarcus. I, I don't care where he's at. I like him passing out of all of the positions. I think when he hits Costa Kufis or Willie Cauley-Stein on a back cut and you're having the bigs go, you know, helping each other out, I think that's huge. I think we've seen skip passes that are like otherworldly where he's finding Ben McLemore on the on the opposite elbow for just beautiful passes. I just want to see more of it, and I want to see him with better players. And it's not a knock on the players that they have. I think they have a really gritty group of of veterans, but they need more. They need more talent around them. Yeah, well, I guess my question then is this, because he has about, you know, 20 plays per game, you know, that are like the dribble drive variety, you know, starting at the top of the key and, and working into the inside 
and right now about a quarter of those, you know, about five are, are just blatant turnovers. And, you know, say like the other 15 or, or maybe another five of those yield, you know, some sort of a positive result. And then there's the 10 in the middle that don't yield. They're not turnovers, but they don't yield, you know, they, they yield a miss or some sort of wasted action and don't lead to anything, you know, other than like an offensive reset or whatever the case may be. So is it the belief that he's going to improve in that area and, and you know, be this versatile, you know, kind of almost it's not even Mark Gasol because Mark Gasol doesn't dribble that much. No, it's it's something <laughs> we it's... haven't seen before. But right now it's it's not working like it that it's if you chart it, it's 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 kind of drastically not working. It works in in spurts, and 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 it's like against the Lakers, it worked very well. Um, their their personnel couldn't handle it, and they're a terrible basketball team. Um, but that's my question here, because it has to like it needs to yield better results for his teammates. It needs to yield better results for himself, and it needs to be something you can build around. Because now you ask him to go down in the post after he spent the game at the three-point line and, and playing like a point guard. I mean, he's really playing the game like a point guard. Yeah, but this is year one in this system. I mean, I, I think he does get better at it. And I think if you look at where his stats were at the end of December and where they are now, and he's averaging over what he's averaging like 6.4 assists a game over his last 25 games, I mean, he's showing an ability to, to do something different, to set up his teammates are his turnover numbers inflated over the last couple of games? Yes. Has he had turnover issues? Yes. But I also think he's tired uh, because this schedule has been brutal. And so I, I don't know, man. I Like, again, if he had better players around him, he would even have more assists. And he, and and he would even, have more lanes to work with. And they I'll wouldn't be able pose, to double team. I'll even pose this. I feel like you almost have to pick one or the other at least until – he and the team become competent in changing gears on the fly, you know, and that's a really heavy ask. It's a big ask to ask a team. Okay. Hey, this is your style. You're, you're you run horns and okay, now we're going to go and we're going to run a lot of post action mid game, you know, against a good team. That's asking like, you know, veteran ball clubs don't always do that well. Um, now when DeMarcus gets the ball in the post, and, and it's only been run, say, like five times in that game. There's no real feel for what the defense is doing to defend it. it you're exposing not just DeMarcus, but the other four players to that scenario for like the first time and then the second time and so on and so forth. It's sporadic. If you decide that you're going to treat him like a point guard, which is effectively it's, – it's really phenomenal to watch in, in the sense that you don't see this ever. I mean, a man his size should not be, you know, typically doing that, but he is. He's he's handling it on almost every possession and, you know, running the offense. But you you got to pick one, I believe, with a team that's essentially young. And you know, as far as the the teammates issue goes, I'm I just especially after they just won four games in a row, and I don't think they played particularly well. I I think this team is fully capable of winning. It's you've got this this really intriguing, probably most 
in, in the top five most talked about basketball players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And he is as dominant as they get. But sometimes that dominance leads the Kings astray. That's the best way that I can put it. And so, you know, what I mean, what do you do with him and how do you do it become the primary questions here? And, and what we saw the Kings do last year is they essentially cut a third of their season off, let George Carl continue to coach that team. And the stuff he did under Carl, he still does now. And, and I would even venture to say that Dave Yeager doesn't want him dribbling out there on the perimeter quite as much. So the habits that he learned under George Carl, which was basically a free-for-all at that point in time, though you have a third of the season now. Can you get that dialed in and pick a method and, and have that be the team's identity? Because right now, when they need a bucket, it, when it's a, a, a good game, a, a, a good team, crunch time, they go down to DeMarcus in the post. And, and they did that in most of their wins. Yeah, and they, so, I, I agree. They do. When when push comes to shove, they do go to the post. And, and you know, and maybe a little bit of this is that Jaeger is trying to save him the abuse that he's taking in the post because he's getting beat down. I mean, when he does go in the post, he's getting walloped nonstop. And, and so, I mean, that's part of it, I think, is to give him a break and not force him to run that extra distance and to have him sit out on the perimeter, take a couple of threes here and there. Um, but I mean, he is getting crushed. And so maybe a little bit of it is that, and you know, again, he's wearing ice bags on his shoulders after every game he's hurting. I talked to him about it. He said that, you know, it's not an MRI thing. It's not a, an x-ray thing. At least he's not going to do that. Um, and he's not going to shut it down, but he's been hurting and he's been getting treatment after every single game. His feet are beat up. I mean, he's only missed two games all season. And he's carrying a bigger load than almost any player in the in the NBA, and certainly any player of his size by a long shot. He's carrying way more. I was going to say, let me make two points here. We can get off this and move on to the other items or whatever we got. First point is, I I think I had a revelation the other day watching Dave Yeager talk. Was it did seem that that Yeager was not thrilled with the shot selection uh, that Demarcus had in a game. I forget exactly which game it was, but it was. He, it, to me, uh, that was the point in time that I think I realized that DeMarcus prefers to play on the perimeter and that Dave Yeager is probably acquiescing to that and playing the long game with DeMarcus Cousins. And he might be, you know, um, you know, smarter than a fox on this one. Like he could be saying, you know what, I'm going to move the needle with DeMarcus a little bit every day. And not come down on him for playing the way that he wants to play in relation to the way that I would prefer him to play. And, and in particular on the stuff that's not even defensible, you know, like whatever they're running, DeMarcus breaks it off and does his own thing. This is, you know, and NBA players are allowed to do that. That's why they get paid the money that they do. Especially stars. so. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's a give and take there where. It might be better for the Kings. It might be better for DeMarcus's development if Dave Yeager doesn't come down with the hammer and say, hey, you know, get your butt down on the block. Don't take that step back long, too, that really had no business taking. So there's that issue there. But as far as the second point, as the injuries go, I don't know if I buy that the post is any more physical than what he's doing out there right now where he, you know, he's got his crossover dribble and generally he ends up on the ground. 
you know, he, he, he in an attempt to get the foul or because he's getting hacked, he's going to end up on the ground. And uh, which is another reason, because it's a four on five the other way. And we talk about that a million times. But if you know, I, I think if he's not healthy enough to, to survive post play, which every other kind of team, you know, player that plays in the post, you know, they do this stuff every night. No, uh, come on now. He's he's the shack of this generation with like 800 times more skill. Well, I mean, like Al Jefferson, for instance. There's, okay, but Al Jefferson's coming off the bench and averaging eight points a game. I mean, oh, they, no, 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 in his prime, Al Jefferson. Yeah, in his prime, Al Jefferson. Okay, but look, here's the problem. The, I'm going to point out like the glaring thing is that when you take what Jaeger had in the past, which Marcus All and Zach Randolph, and I know what you want is for him to be Zebo, and I get that, or or Al Jefferson, either one. You want him to be. Uh, a guy who comes in and and does a Clifford Ray like one or two post move and, and finish and I totally get that, but when you've got a guy who's a combination of Marcus All and Zach Randolph, and he can do everything, and then on top of that, here's the kicker, Aaron. It's that you got a combination of Marcus All and Zach Randolph, but you don't have the other guy. You don't have someone else that can do that can either set him up or that can go in the post. You don't have a true, they, they don't do any true back to the basket stuff with Costa. They don't let Costa run the top of the key. They very, very seldom let Willie Cauley Stein run the top of the key. So you understand what I'm saying? It's like what you have is a, like a, a combination of those two players, but then you don't have what, what's missing. They don't have the other. You're right. And they the don't. second guy. But- but then my question becomes, why are we so intent on running horns every time? You know, you, because that's what Dave Yeager runs. I, but that's not a great answer. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, it's not that, a great answer. It is the answer, though. It, it is the answer. And, and, and there's also an element of I'm going to you know, run my stuff and you know, I've got a couple years here. And so you know, let's get this in place and then we'll go get that guy. Well, um, but, but I think you're, you are like putting past the – that that Jaeger did change. We've seen the change where all of a sudden he's running a high pick and roll with Ty Lawson and Willie Cauley Stein and getting five dunks. I'm a game. actually, you know what? I'm strangely happy with Dave Yeager's performance this year. I rip on what they run all the time. And but, and you rip on the Matt Barnes thing. And I and, well, the Matt Barnes thing. And I'll say this actually. You know what? Matt Barnes has been passable. I took I took my hat to him week. the other night on, on on the telecast because to it's, be honest with you. Every night he gives you what you need, and this team. Yeah, there sometimes are nights, he gives you a lot more. <laughs> no, no, that's that's true. There are nights where he's a complete meltdown, and you're like, "Oh, geez." That nice was like a good month. Yeah, but, but there are nights when that happens. But almost but you know what's every player. With this team, this team, because this happens all across the league. By the way, this is the injured player. Um, not a theory. There's no name for this, but like they, <laughs> they, when, it, when, when guys go down, now you go Ben McLemore. It's like, okay, Ben, we actually need you to score now. We, you know, get in here, be aggressive. Here's your role. And, and all of a sudden Ben McLemore plays with a ton of comfort. Same with Matt Barnes. Like with Matt, it's like, man, we need you to run backup point guard, you know? So players, they normalize when minutes are not a question. And you see it with Willie Cauley-Stein getting more minutes. Now he's playing better. So I, I think that that has helped Matt. And Matt has had one of his better weeks this week. I think he's kind of on the cusp of average 
you know, with the way that he's played this week. So that's an improvement. And hopefully, you know what, Matt was he started off the season pretty good. And he the, the, the issue with him is that if you don't reel him in, he's going to continue to overassert himself. And there hasn't been any reeling in of, of Matt Barnes, and it just had gotten progressively worse. And again, there's a, there's probably a long game here with Dave Yeager, which kind of feeds into why I'm all right with the job that he's doing. Is Matt Barnes is one of the team's leaders, like bar none. Oh, no. Yeah, and, there's and no question. So he's the guy in the locker room. His, he is his the voice. Guy. When we've and we criticize this at times for the impact it's had on Demarcus Cousins, but his voice carries weight in that locker room. And that might be one of the reasons that he gets to play through all these mistakes. Um, but if he improves and, and and he plays the way that he's played this last week or even better, then obviously that's you know a boon for the Kings. Yep. And you're 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 cooking at that point because now you get Garrett Temple back, you get Omri Caspi back, and now with Ben, you have a really interesting decision because I don't know how much this week will move the market for a trade, because when you're buying something, you're probably more likely to say, well. We got one good week here, and the rest has been really, really bad. How much are we going to move the needle to try to get Ben Macklemore? You'd have to get a really risk-taking GM out there that likes gambling. Or to... a GM that that's listening to an agent that is in the mood for a different deal with a different player, and, and you're setting yourself up for, for something better down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But but here's the thing with the King. Now you're like, wait a second. And this kind of comes back to the post thing, too, because – there was a couple post plays that that were perfectly illustrative of this. You, you, the ball goes in, it comes out. Ben McLemore catches it. He's already looking at the hoop. I mean, it's like a practice shot for him. Yep. And those are the shots that you want these that that, that you want developed in this offense. When Demarcus dribble drives, there, there's the assist is not great. You know, the pass is not great. It's not you know, giving other guys easy shots. But when it's in the post, it does. And when they learn how to play that system, it will get better and better and better. And you'll get a lot of corner threes. You'll get a lot of wide open threes. And I think they do pretty good at it already. Um, they could improve quite a bit if they practice it more. But the um, the consistency of minutes has really been a boon. And Ben Macklemore now you might look at him and say, hey, maybe we don't deal this guy because he has been through just what everybody else has been through, which is, you know, total chaos and and lack of minutes and and really looking lost out there. But when he's confident and he's yeah. assertive, I mean, it's a different Ben out there. I, I mean, you look at him in the last four or five games and you're just like he carried the team for a couple games there. I think my it, first thought was, can Malachi play the three? Yeah. Absolutely. I think that was my first thought was, huh, what if you brought in Bogdanovich? What if he still had Garrett Temple? What if can he play the three and and hold his own there? I mean, he's six, six and he's a really thick six, six yeah, with I a think seven he can. Foot wingspan. And so could the Kings considerably, I, I mean, could they, could they keep Ben McLemore? Because again, he, that was the plan coming into the season that they have a $5.4 million option on him for next year. Uh, not an option. They can make a qualifying offer, and if anyone goes above that and, and signs him to a longer deal, you have the choice to match. But five point four million dollars in today's NBA is really low budget, and the Kings can afford to do that next season and give Ben that one more year. He'd be a unrestricted free agent at the end of that year, so you'd want to figure something out whether you're going to try to extend him or whatever. 
But I, I think Ben has taken this audition and he's done a really nice job. I'm going to credit number one, uh, all of these veterans that Vlade Divac brought in and he's really built a support staff for for Ben and for Willie. But I'm also, I'm going to tell you, this is a kinder, gentler DeMarcus Cousins. And he is supporting his teammates and telling them to shoot and giving them the confidence to hit those shots as opposed to breaking them down when they miss them in the past. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've seen as as DeMarcus has matured this year and matured over his career. It's his willingness to say, okay, I've got I've got five young players on this team. I can't keep being negative and and tearing them down. I have to build them up. And I think the the veterans around him have helped that. And I think Dave Yeager has helped that. I think the coaching staff has helped that. But I think that's where we're kind of seeing this, where maybe the Kings can be a team that balances young and old at the same time, which is what we said coming into the season. That was their plan. And a lot of people said, I don't like their plan. I think their plan is stupid. Uh, but now <laughs> you're seeing that, wow. Well, there's like a method to the madness. Wow, which I, I is... put Ty Lawson and Anthony Tolliver and Garrett Temple and Matt Barnes and Aaron Aflalo around Willie Cauley-Stein and Ben McLemore. And all of a sudden, they they mature and they blossom. Wow. Well, we haven't even talked about Willie. Maybe I there mean, was a method to the madness. Well, we don't we, have time we, to talk about well, Willie. I know, but well, let's just say this. Holy, holy crap, he's an offensive player now. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really yeah. – I mean, he had, a, he had a rough efficiency night in the last game. But, I mean, that's that's something else. And uh, I'll just uh, – I'll say, Can for... I segue into my final thought? Okay. That... I'll just say this. It, that also opens the door – if you do get a really good offer for Costa Kufis, I think it opens a door to move Willie in that that scenario as well. But I, I, that's the Billy Bean move there because that that Costa lineup and it's not Costa's fault. It's no, he does I love Costa too. good things in that system. And but and you saw it's I tweeted just not out enough. His, his finger, right? I tweeted. Oh out. yeah, that oh, thing God. is that's jacked up. But and that's he's like, the, he's uh, like, I don't want that. I, no, don't put that out there. People are going to think I'm I'm injury prone. I'm like, dude, have you ever missed a game in your entire career? Like, no, 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 no. People need to know that the fact that you can't grab a ball is because your finger looks like a cartoon finger. And I mean, he's an underrated dunker, man. He's been putting <laughs> it on people lately and uh, good style points, too. Um, yeah. But yeah, the uh, final thoughts, uh, final thoughts here. You you have like if a uh, bad metaphor time. You're, you're going to go sail a ship a, a very long direction or a very long way. If you go a couple degrees to the left, a couple degrees to the right you're going to end up in drastically different places if you're the king. So you're not going to get to Marcus to change his spots or, or you know, to change overnight. He, if, if, you, if you encourage him to play more down there in the post, you're going to end up with a system down the road that sprinkles in the perimeter play versus sprinkling it in too much. And if you don't do this right now, you could end up with the same types of issues that they have on a game-to-game basis where time, you know, times it's virtually unwatchable on offense. So that's my final thought is if you put put your foot in the ground right now and you say, okay, hey, big fella, it's, it's going real well, but time to get down there and, and, and make this the cornerstone of our system. I think that's the, I think that's the, the, the money way for the Kings to go, and I think that's going to make them dangerous for years to come. This this current version, I'm not sold. I wouldn't. I'm I'm not even sold that they should go forward with it if that's going to be what they get. Here's my rebuttal. My rebuttal. Demarcus Cousins 
didn't shoot any three-pointers three years ago. At least he didn't hit any of any frequency at all. Last season, he became a somewhat okay three-point shooter. This year, he's a 36% knockdown three-point shooter who's hit some of the biggest shots the Kings have had in games, and it's added another element. He'll he'll have over 100 three-pointers. I think that at 26 years old, and even though he's seven years in the league, we are still only seeing the tip of the iceberg with DeMarcus Cousins. And if he thinks that that dribble drive can get him loose and can get him somewhere this year, then I know that next year when he's had time to use it and he's figured some things out, it could even be better and like the three-point shooting. And so I'm going to let DeMarcus become the, the player that he thinks he can be because to be honest with you, I don't think we've seen anything like him ever before, and he keeps improving, and we're seeing it with the assists. We're seeing it with the three-point shot. I'm going to let him write his own story uh, because I think he's a really, really special, talented player, and so I'm not going to take anything away from him. I'm going to say you go do what you do. Fascinating discussion there, and you know what? I want him to shoot more threes. He double clutches way too much. Just, <laughs> just let it fly, man. You're shoot more three-point three shooter. No, I'm just a... let it fly. When the ball's, when you're open, shoot the thing. It, <laughs> it's, it's he is, he's a great three-point shooter. So, I, I, I see your points, and I, and I actually, you know, I think that it's a good, it's a great discussion because it's a bet at this point, and and if he makes it pan out and he becomes this do everything player that that literally revolutionizes the game of basketball because you got a 300 pound point guard do it I do love it, it. do it prove you wrong i love it but um it, it's interesting times interesting decisions they have to make that's right all right so uh last thing my final final thought the kings are game and a half out of the eight seed with 25 games remaining uh, this, I don't care win, lose, or draw. This is the first time in my seven years of covering this team that they've been in the conversation this late. And I'm excited to see how this team responds and finishes down the stretch. They've got three games against the Denver Nuggets between, what is it, February 23rd and March 11th. So over like an 18-day period, they've got three games. Uh, maybe my math is way wrong there. Maybe that's 14 days. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm saying there's a chance here, people. And either way, they're going to learn from this experience. And DeMarcus is going to learn from this experience. So this is all cool stuff for me. It's it's new ground uh, for a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a decade. And Kings fans, you know, show up. Support your team because this is going to be a fun ride down the stretch. Uh, so that's going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. Special thanks to Doug Christie for the car cast. Uh, That's always fun. And uh, we will see you very soon. So for Aaron Bruski, I am James Hamm. Thank you for tuning in to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. 